Hi there and welcome to another episode of Choose Your Narrative. I'm your host, Nat Smithson, and I'm thrilled you've chosen to join me today. I created this podcast to share stories of my own mindset journey and explore strategies and healthy habits that I now use to build a mind that's geared up for happiness and success. And I want you to do the same. So I encourage you to start your own journey towards creating a stronger, happier, more motivated mind so that you too can write and more importantly, choose the narrative that you wish to live. Hello and welcome back to Choose Your Narrative. Today's episode is on positive reinforcement and the inspiration for this episode came from the experiences that I've been having as I'm training and teaching my now eight-month-old puppy, Alfie. I'm really enjoying watching him grow and learn and trying to understand how he responds to particular situations and actions. Animal training is a widely used example of positive reinforcement Going through the motions of encouraging Alfie to perform new actions and display desired behaviours, while also trying to teach him what we want him to avoid, things like unnecessary barking or biting that all little puppies do, has made me want to learn more about reinforcement and how it can be used to achieve certain outcomes. Not long after I began exploring this topic, it became clear that The use of reinforcement is prevalent in a multitude of areas of our lives and in many different environments also. At work, in the schoolyard, in our relationships and even in the interactions that we have with ourselves. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at what reinforcement is and how reinforcement can contribute to changes in behaviour. We'll then look at some common applications of reinforcement in the workplace and school environment and also take a look at how we may be using reinforcement or other behaviour modifiers, which I'll explain later, to manage our own behaviours and those of the people that we're closest to. With all of my podcasts, my main ambition is to give you an introduction to certain topics and ideas, and get you thinking about how those things may currently exist in or be impacting your life. And then use that knowledge to explore if there are perhaps ways you could be doing things a little bit differently so that you're maximising your happiness, your productivity, your skill development, or whatever it is that we're focusing on. I'm not trying to provide specific advice, as we're all unique and have a different set of needs and experiences. I'd instead prefer to think of these episodes as planting seeds. You're the one that knows yourself the best and can be honest about the individual set of tools, experiences, and wants that you have, and how you can potentially use any ideas that I share to guide the decisions and actions you make. So on that note, let's get cracking. Firstly, what exactly is reinforcement? Well, fundamentally, it means to strengthen. Today we're looking at reinforcement from a behavioural perspective, where reinforcement requires a stimulus, a thing or an event being used to encourage a new desired behaviour or to alter an existing one. And reinforcement can be both positive and negative, which in this case doesn't translate to good or bad. It instead means the addition or subtraction of something, with positive reinforcement requiring something to be added in an attempt to cause a desired action and negative reinforcement requiring something to be removed, again, to cause a desired action. 
An example of positive reinforcement would be something like what I've been doing with little Alfie. Rewarding desired behaviour by giving him a small doggy treat when he performs a trick correctly that I've been teaching him. Noting that the reward is coming after the desired behaviour. In this case, a trick has been performed. So the reinforcement comes from something being added or something, the doggy treat, being given to Alfie to encourage him to perform that trick again. Negative reinforcement, on the other hand, is when something that is unpleasant is removed in an attempt to increase the likelihood of desired behaviour. Examples of negative reinforcement could include parents reducing the amount of chores that a child has to do on the weekend if they spend a target amount of time completing homework throughout the week. Or if we decide to be more organised and leave home 20 minutes earlier in the morning so that we remove the frustration and stress caused by driving to work in peak hour traffic. Or an even simpler example that I know everyone can relate to, getting out of bed to turn that unpleasant noise of an alarm clock off in the morning, assuming that, you know, you don't hit snooze several times. (laughs) In this case, the desired behaviour, getting out of bed on time, is triggered by the removal of the unpleasant stimulus, the offensive sound of the alarm clock. We're not going to focus on these today, but I also want to point out two other common methods that are used to encourage shifts in behaviour, and they are punishment and bribery. Punishment works in an opposing way to reinforcement, whereby an undesirable stimulus is used to encourage a change in behaviour. Like putting Alfie in timeout if he ruins one of my favourite shoes, which I'm afraid to say has happened a couple of times. (laughs) The damaged shoes, that is. And bribery that can seem similar to positive reinforcement because someone's receiving something in order to complete a certain action or display a certain behaviour. But the difference is that with bribery, the reward is given prior to the action or behaviour being performed, whereas positive reinforcement is after. And that action or behaviour wouldn't have occurred if the reward wasn't being given in the first place. Like giving a child a lolly or letting them watch a movie on your iPad if they promise they'll behave during a car ride. The name of the theory that encompasses the behavioural modifiers I've just mentioned is operant conditioning, sometimes known as instrumental conditioning. This theory was developed by psychologist and behaviourist B.F. Skinner and explains how the consequences of a response determines how likely a particular behaviour is to be repeated, with rewarded behaviour, reinforcement, being more likely to be repeated and punished behaviour most often avoided. Many studies agree that when using reinforcement, providing the reward as soon as possible after the wanted behaviour is performed is really important in establishing a connection between the action or the behaviour and that positive response. This also avoids reinforcement of the wrong behaviour if there's room for misinterpretation that the reward is connected to any other behaviour displayed in the time between the desired behaviour and the distribution of that reward. How people respond to reinforcement is unique and the individual responses are connected to the motivations that each of us have. Our motivations can be categorised into two main categories, extrinsic and intrinsic. Extrinsic motivators are from outside of ourselves, an external source, 
including rewards such as money or awards, or receiving recognition from our boss, our colleagues, a teacher, or basically anyone that we're motivated to impress. And on the flip side, intrinsic motivators are from within. They're connected to our beliefs or desires, things we do because they feel good, or they give us a sense of fulfilment or pride or happiness. Having an understanding of what motivations people possess gives us a greater ability to use the most suitable type of reinforcement to increase the likelihood of their behaviour aligning to the outcome that we're hoping for. People who can identify other people's motivations and can also determine the most appropriate form of reinforcement to connect to those motivations experience the greatest outcomes in establishing desired behaviours in those that they're trying to influence around them. A prime example of this is in the workplace. The most successful managers or leaders are those that can identify what motivates their workforce or their team and can create regular opportunities for those needs to be met. Adjustments may be made to the work environment or to the programs or the equipment that a team uses to support increased productivity. And staff may be allowed more flexible or hybrid working arrangements like working both in the office and also from home in an attempt to try and reduce absenteeism. Or social events could become a regular on the team calendar, providing team members with a chance to connect work with enjoyment, form closer relationships with their colleagues and boost overall morale. Now, obviously, in the workplace, there is an expectation that income will be received in exchange for work completed. But beyond money alone... There are also many other incentives that managers can use to entice their team to strive to reach certain targets or operate in more efficient ways while they're at work. Managers that have a team largely motivated by extrinsic factors, such as money, could create opportunities to earn bonuses if particular sales targets are reached, a high positive customer feedback score is met, or a new valuable business opportunity is secured. Or if recognition in the form of praise is a major motivator, then managers may create award nights or monthly most valuable employee type nominations so that people can have their contributions highlighted to the team. We do something called Team Values fortnightly at my workplace. It's a simple and informal way for team members to congratulate other staff on particular accomplishments they've achieved during the previous fortnight. We have a variety of categories that the accomplishments can fit within, such as collaboration and excellence, to help guide our nominations. We spend no more than 10 minutes discussing this as a team during an internal meeting, but just having that regular acknowledgement of staff achievements is such a simple, time-effective and free way for our manager to create that sense of appreciation for the team's efforts and use positive reinforcement to encourage continued hard work or the aspiration to do something that will afford you a mention at future value sessions. For a team that is more responsive to intrinsic motivators, initiating opportunities for learning, skill development and enjoyment would be prioritised. A mentorship program may be created to give employees a chance for regular feedback and specific training. Or bi-monthly social events may be scheduled in the diary so that staff can associate enjoyment with work. In just about all workplaces, there will be a need to cater to both intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, because as we said earlier, everyone has their own unique set of motivations. 
And the same can be said about classroom environments. Teachers encouraging learning and participation with their students by creating incentives to make them study harder, become involved in social activities, behave well during school assemblies or excursions. And given students aren't at school to earn a paycheck or strive for bonuses like we may do when we leave and enter the workforce, the incentives required to reinforce behaviour can be a little bit different. Just as leaders use reinforcement to craft the behaviour of their workforce and teaches their students, we can also use reinforcement and other behaviour modifiers to shape our own behaviour, and often even the behaviour of those that we're closest to. The key is understanding how behavioural modifiers are experienced by their recipients and how this will impact the success that we have of achieving the desired behaviour. Quite often, we can be a lot harder on ourselves and those closest to us than we are on other people. We can be more critical, less tolerant, and perhaps even more likely to punish ourselves or our loved ones as a consequence for doing something we disapprove of. And when I say punish, I just mean small things like not letting ourselves have dessert because we didn't go to the gym that day, or not letting ourselves do something fun because we didn't perform as well at something as we wanted to, or perhaps giving our partner the silent treatment because we're a little bit angry about something they said or did. It's really easy in those moments to think that punishment is the best way to teach ourselves or teach another person a lesson. We think it's going to have the most impact. But the reality is, punishment only actually teaches us what not to do. And therefore, when given in isolation, it doesn't actually inform the person being punished what behaviour is or was desired instead. Reinforcement, on the other hand, rewards desired behaviour. So when someone completes an action and has that action reinforced, they know that performing that action will please the other person. And so it's something that they now know will serve them well to do again. So next time you see your partner, a family member or a friend or basically anyone that you interact with on a regular basis, do something that you like, make sure you make it known to them how great that thing was, how you really appreciated it and how they should do a little more of it. Reinforcement takes the guesswork out of what behaviour is correct or wanted And as I'm sure you already know, being on the receiving end of reinforcement feels much better than punishment. And if that's applicable for other people, then of course it's applicable to you also. If you're using punishment to try and create a version of yourself you most want to be by restricting yourself from things that you enjoy or allowing your self-talk to be negative or angry or hurtful, I encourage you to instead spend some time getting really clear on the things you want to do and prioritise and then determine what actions or routines and behaviours are needed to achieve this and then focus on reinforcing yourself when you execute those behaviours. Say, for example, that you want to start exercising more. Set yourself a goal and plan a reward at the end of that goal that reinforces that behaviour. Perhaps if you go to the gym three times a week, then you can treat yourself to a massage on the weekend. Or if you do healthy meal prep for four days of the working week, then you could treat yourself to a nice lunch on your final work day. Whatever it is that you prioritise and that motivates you to ensure that that priority is met.
So I'm going to leave it there for today. Hopefully this episode has got you thinking about how you're currently responding to other people's behaviour and also your own and acknowledging if there's a better way that you could be reacting in these situations. If you're enjoying these episodes and think there's someone in your life that would appreciate listening to or learning about the kinds of topics I cover, then I'd love you to share this podcast with them. I like to think that the content I create is fairly easy listening, yet can spark some ideas for ways that you can do things a little bit better and in a way that's more positive and more healthy for your mind, your body and your relationships. Thanks so much again for tuning in and I hope you'll join me next time where I'm going to be talking about resilience. What is it? Why is it important that we have it? And how do we build it if we're struggling to push through some of those more difficult and challenging times that life throws at us? I hope you have a great week, whatever stage of it you're at. Bye for now.